The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of April is Media Gratier. Media Gratier is a nonprofit Christian publisher and filmmaker producing documentaries and multimedia Bible study curriculum with the emphasis on the means of grace and church history. You can visit mediagratier.org or themeansofgrace.org and see the documentaries they've created and are distributing like The American Gospel, Through the Eyes of Spurgeon, and Logic on Fire, The Life and Legacy of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Also great for small groups or Sunday schools, family worship, or individual study is their 12-week multimedia Bible study series, Behold Your God. These series are made up of two components that work together, a 13-week DVD set and a 12-week daily devotional workbook that has each participant in the scriptures on their own during the week. At the end of the week, the group gathers and watches one of the 13 DVDs together and then discusses the work they've done in the scriptures that week. Each DVD is made up of three parts, a historical introduction shot on location in England, Scotland, Wales are up the east coast of New England, highlighting a figure in church history whose lives illustrate the subject we're studying that week. Then there's a half-hour sermon from Dr. John Snyder, the series author. And finally, there's application points made from men like Paul Washer, Steve Lawson, Ian Hamilton, Sinclair Ferguson, Conrad Mbiwi, and many more. Take a look at themeansofgrace.org for much more on Behold Your God Bible Study series. And while you're there, be sure and check out and listen to the Behold Your God podcast that goes up each week with Dr. John Snyder and Media Gratier director Matthew Robinson. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. It's episode 36, and today I want to talk to you about pastoral counseling. Let's pray. Father, we just need your help. Thank you for your grace that is upon us right now. Thank you for your grace that is there for us when we're sitting in that counseling chair across the room from a parishioner or somebody in our life that just needs us to listen and to pray for them. Lord Jesus, just give us wisdom even as we listen, and I trust that you're going to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, today I want to talk to you about the two pillars of pastoral counseling that have been just so helpful for me over the, over the years. I regularly find myself counseling people, whether it's marriage counseling within our church or uh, grief counseling, crisis care, those sorts of things. And then with the Shepherd's Crook, you know this, I work with pastors, and so I'm working with people who have experienced moral failure or just need somebody to talk to about a difficult pastoral situation coming up. And so regularly, I'm leaning into these two principles or pillars that I'm going to talk to you about today. But first, I want to caveat by, by telling you what pastoral counseling isn't, that, and then it may kind of help you navigate what we're supposed to be doing with our people in a little bit better of a way. So, so first... Pastors are not mental health professionals. There's a huge intramural debate about Christian psychology and eutetic counseling and the differences between the two, and both sides have these caricatures of each other, and they kind of shoot arrows against each other rather than listening to each other. I mean, it's kind of common, right? I mean, that's that's our, the world that we live in today is to, uh, you know, basically build a caricature and then just attack that caricature. But we're not talking about, we're not talking about being as pastors, mental health professionals, because we are not. We are not trained in that discipline, and we don't know uh, how to open up a DSM-5 and prescribe a mental condition. 
we specifically function in a unique discipline. We open up the Bible and we talk about issues that are not discussed in traditional counseling, like sin, disobedience, obedience. We, we need to know the differences between clinical depression and sinful depression and clinical anxiety that deal with something breaking in the mind or something not working well physiologically and sinful anxiety. And I think it's appropriate that we need that we know the difference so we don't do a lot of harm when we sit down and talk with people. So number 1, pastors are not mental health professionals. Number 2, I'm not getting into the trichotomy dichotomy debate. But one thing that is absolutely certain is that the human being is more than simply body. We are believers in Christ and the Bible. So the Bible teaches that the body and, minimally, the soul exists. So we're at least body and soul. And then the trichotomists come along and say, well, we're body, mind, and soul. But we both agree on the fact that the body is more than just physical. We are not just physical beings. There are spiritual issues going on here that affect physical realities and physical realities that affect spiritual realities. So there's some muddy waters here, but there at least is some clarity on that fact. We are more than just a body. So now, what is pastoral counseling? What are the two pillars that I lean into every time I sit down, whether it be a pastor or a troubled teen or a marriage in crisis? I bring them to these two pillars. Number one is the Bible, and number two is the gospel of Jesus. Why these two pillars? So glad you asked. Number one, the Bible. When I'm talking with people and sitting and talking with people, I bring them to two powerful authorities that human beings rely on to make the decisions that we make. These two powerful authorities are as follows. What I think and what I feel. Most Americans, most people in the world, and then sadly, many Christians, live their lives based on these two powerful authorities. What I think and what I feel. And we look at a situation or we consider a relationship and what's going on in that relationship and we move forward based on what I think about the situation and what I feel about the situation. The challenge with pastoral counseling is to look somebody in the eye and say we have to lay down right now what we think and what we feel and we have to take up what God says. Because in a pastoral counseling situation, we have an authority that's beyond ourselves. We have to push through what we think and what we feel. Because so often in crisis care, people simply are leaning into, they don't know what to do. They need an anchor for the soul. They need something. They need handles. They need something more than what I think and what I feel because people cannot trust themselves when they're in a situation of grief or whatever it is. They cannot trust what they're thinking and what they're feeling. They have to lean into what does God have to say about this? And I see this in marriage counseling all the time. Well, I just don't feel this way, or I'm think here's what I'm thinking. And I have to lovingly challenge them to say, it doesn't really matter in this situation what you're thinking and what you're feeling. You have to take up God's word and say, what does God have to say? So we have to lovingly shepherd people towards God's word. Because if it, this if this is what I when I sit down with counsel people, I, I'm sitting down, this is what I have to offer. I'm not here to tell you what I think or what I feel. I'm not simply here to, to just listen, although a majority of the time in counseling situations require a pastor to listen, to open up our ears and hear what's actually being said. But then we have to go to God's word. The Bible has to be the foundation of what we're doing or, or what are we doing in a pastoral counseling situation. 
So the Bible. Number two, the second pillar is the gospel of Jesus. People have to know the gospel of Jesus. Uh, people who are struggling with identity issues, anxiety, fear, assurance of salvation issues, um, marriage issues are almost always built on conditions that the man is putting on the woman or that the woman is putting on the man. And they have to be reminded of the unconditional love of God in Christ for you. So we go to the gospel of Jesus. People need to hear in the chair across from you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That has to be foundational for a, an appropriate counseling session to be healthy and biblical. People have to know, if they're Christians, that there is no condemnation. And if they're not Christians, we have to give them the gospel and let them know, hey, listen, if we're gonna, if you're going to keep coming back to me, I'm going to keep coming back to the gospel of Jesus. Something that was really helpful, and I believe I got it from Jared Wilson, most good things that I have, I either got from Jared Wilson or Eugene Peterson or Doug Wilson or just from other people. Uh, ultimately, clearly, we're, we're all wanting to be biblical. So, I mean, everything we're getting is should be faithful to the Bible. But one way to explain the importance of the gospel to people that I've found helpful is to take a penny, just take an ordinary penny out of your pocket or out of your change jar or whatever, and ask them a question. Ask whoever you're counseling, tell me about a penny. Who's, whose face is on a penny? And usually they get this right. You know, they say, well, it's Abraham Lincoln. But then if you begin to go down to the details about the penny and ask what what direction is Abraham Lincoln facing on the penny, and then they have to stop and think, okay, well, wait a second. And the whole point is to get them, as they begin to explain the details of a penny, to admit that things they're familiar with, they often don't study. We know what a penny is, of course, so we don't have to pay attention to the details. It's the same way in, in this situation. We know the gospel. Therefore, so many people don't study it. And the challenge that you're presented with and I'm presented with time in and time out when we're caring for people is to represent the gospel of Jesus to them and ask them to study it. Put your eyes on it again. Put your heart there again. And let's think about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's remember Jesus. Let's remember him here. If Paul had to charge Timothy old Pastor Paul, to younger Pastor Timothy to remember Jesus Christ, then it's our charge to remember Christ and then call our people to turn our attention and turn their attention to Jesus. So that's the challenge. So these two pillars have become incredibly helpful for me with pastoral counseling, the Bible and the gospel of Jesus. And then a couple practical points. Never counsel a lady alone. This is really helpful to have in ministry to have a, to have your help or your wife to be able to be in this room and to think through some of the issues with you that's going on with this particular person. If there's a lady that wants to get counseling from you, just have your wife there or have some other lady there or another pastor there. Usually if your wife can be there, it's a lot easier than just if there's two pastors and then one woman there. But make sure you protect yourself. And then also, another thing that I find find helpful is to ask people when they're, if they're kind of nervous about pastoral counseling, to say, hey, how about we just set up one session and then we'll discuss from there what's going to take place next. And in that first session, as things are going going well, what I typically ask is, hey, how about we commit to four 
counseling sessions. Let's not commit our life away, but let's reevaluate after four weeks and then leave them the decision about when they're going to meet. If it's going to be weekly or bi-weekly, let them look at their calendar, say, you don't have to tell me now, text me later or call me later and let me know, but why don't we commit to four more sessions and then reevaluate after the fourth. Then it can kind of disarm them because they're already nervous about coming to talk to you anyways, but it can kind of disarm them from thinking, oh gosh, am I going to sign my life away to counseling? Am I going to always be sitting in a chair in this couch and having our pastor just listening to my problems? Help them and shepherd them through this to say, hey, listen, hey, the strongest people in the world are those who know they need help. The strongest people in the world aren't those who beat them beat themselves in the chest and say, I've got this. It's those who just willingly say, hey, I need some help through this situation. So disarm their fears a little bit by saying things like that and then letting them know you don't have to come here and talk with me forever, but I am available. So these these things have been helpful for me. I hope they're helpful for you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.